We are continuing our series entitled, God is Making a Way for You. And this week I want to share with you that God is making a way for you. And I'd like you to listen really closely. This probably doesn't apply to everybody. But I really believe that this applies to somebody in a very real and powerful way. God is making a way for you. And times we'll think that just any way will do. But for you, that's not the way God is making. In fact, God is actually limiting your ways to get out of a situation. In fact... It seems that God has blocked a way out for you. Like there's no other way out. There's no other way through. And and you've tried. You pushed on every door. You've checked every window. You've looked for every opportunity. All of the old ways that used to work for you are not working at this moment in time. And if that's you, I do hope that you'll listen closely. In the past, you always did it this way, and it always worked, but you pushed on that door, and it didn't open. In the past, you always responded in a particular way, and when you did it that way, it it always worked out. But this time, it is not working. But I want you to know, he's making a way for you. And can I say this to you? Not only is God going to bring you through, but he's going to bring you through victoriously. Look to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking to you. Listen to me. He's going to bring you through victoriously. Listen to me. You're not going to come through dragging your worn out tail across the finish line. You're going to come through dancing. And I can't dance, but I'm telling you, that is what you're going to do. God is going to bring you through this trial, dancing, rejoicing, victorious. In fact, please listen, you're going to be better off than what you were before. You're going to receive double for your trouble. God is going to reward you. He's going to reward you and pay you back for the things that the locust has destroyed. That's what God wants to do in your life. But the old ways of you getting through are not going to work this time. So you may as well quit trying. You know, you keep pushing on that door. You keep doing it the way you did before. It will not work this time. This is the way that the Lord spoke to me that he's going to bring you through. By you developing and experiencing an intimate knowledge of him. Simply, you know, we sang that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. There's sometimes that you say, well, pastor, surely I got to do something else other than developing an intimate knowledge of God. No, the way he's going to bring you through this time is by you coming to experience and know him in a way that you've never known him before. You know, there's sometimes we say, do you know so-and-so? Well, yeah, I know Trump. Yeah, I know Obama. Yeah, I know this television personality. No, we're talking about God wants to bring you into an experiential knowledge of him where you understand his heart and where you know him. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 speaks prophetically about a time. It's hundreds of years down the road when Jerusalem is going to be invaded. The temple would be defiled. And it's all of this devastation and all of this difficulty and all of this reproach and shame and 
difficult things. But in the midst of it, there's this one phrase that offers us hope. It says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Did you hear what Daniel said? He said, when you know God, it produces strength and the natural results are great achievements. We like the sound of doing great exploits and we like the sound of being strong. But how do we get there? In fact, where do I even start, Pastor? I don't feel very strong. In fact, I'm frustrated that I can't do anything about my situation. In fact, I'm frustrated that things didn't work out the way I thought they would. And actually, I feel trapped. I feel trapped. I don't feel strong. I don't feel powerful. I feel like a victim, perhaps, in this moment. How can I get there? Where do I start? I want you to hear this. We start with, we continue with, and we end with knowing God. I want to say that one more time. We start with, we continue with, and we end with knowing God. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he recounts to them his pedigree, all of the things in his life that he had previously relied on. You know, he said, you know, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He says, as far as touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Touching the righteousness, which is in the law, I was blameless. And then he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, after he counts all of these things that made him, quote, successful, he says, whatever were my gains... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then in verse 10 is this one line that I want you to kind of get in your heart. This was the cry of Paul's heart. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. I hope that that's your desire. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now here's Paul who's wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul is a hero of the faith even during his own lifetime. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Some of you are doing too many things. Some of you have so many things that you're doing. Paul says, one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now Paul says, none of this other stuff 
that I once relied upon is important to me. And none of it compares to the privilege of knowing Him. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I don't want to know about Him. I don't want somebody else to tell me about Him. I want to know Him. I want to experience Him. I want to have an experiential knowledge of who He is. Something that no one else can take away from me. Something that no one can argue away from me. I want to know. I want to be confident of that. There are a lot of people who rely upon their pedigree to get them through. There's a lot of people who rely upon their own strength to get them through. And it doesn't matter what it is. Each person has their own set of things that they rely upon to bring them through. You may say, well, I've been a member of such and such a church for 30 years. Well, I have a very strong personality and a strong will, and I just grit my teeth. Well, I was baptized. Well, I was, and on and on. I started attending church nine months before I was ever born. Nine months. Not an Easter Sunday or Christmas. I'm telling you, I was at church nine months before I was ever born. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, prayer meeting. I even went to women's Bible study. All right? I'm telling you, I did. I was there nine months before I was ever born. God spoke to my mom And she knew that I was called by God while I was still in her womb. My parents, the first time they took me back to church, they dedicated me to the Lord as a baby. I attended and participated in every church program that the church thought of growing up, whether I wanted to or not. To my knowledge, I've tithed on every single penny that I've ever made in my life. I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang out with girls who do. Never did. I started preparing for full-time ministry when I was 17 years old. And I have a bachelor's degree. I earned my master's degree with honors. I'm an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. And I've been in ministry of the gospel since I was 21 years old. I had a full-time position waiting for me a year before I graduated from college. My brother, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, my uncles, my nephew are all ministers. My son is in school right now preparing for ministry. I got a whole lot of bad things that I've never done and a whole lot of good things that I do on a regular basis. But can I tell you that none of it matters? None of it counts for anything. None of it will bring me through the trying, difficult times. What will bring me through is the fact when you and I know Him. You can make up your list of all of the good things you've done and all the wonderful things you've done and how much you give and how much you serve and what you teach and what you do. But if you don't know him, nothing else matters. It's just a waste of your time. None of it matters. And none of it, listen to me, none of it can compare with really knowing him. None of it. None of it gives you peace. Like knowing him. Jeremiah chapter 9, 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of their wisdom. Or the strong boast of their strength. Or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. That they have the understanding... To know me. I'm going to stop there. 
If you're going to boast in anything, don't boast in your riches. Don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your strength. The thing he says, let them boast in the fact that they have the understanding to know me, that I would know him. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. If we boast, we boast in the Lord. Oh, let me tell you about my God. You know, I know that he's the king of the universe. His power knows no end. And there is absolutely nothing that's too hard for him. He loves me and he loves you. And he's called us by name. His word says that I'm his. And it wasn't because anything that we had done. It's just because he loves us and he is good. How do I know he's good? Because he's been good to me. I've experienced his goodness. How do I know? The word says that he is merciful. He's rich in mercy. That he's tender hearted. That he's near to the broken hearted. How do I know it? Because he's shown mercy and kindness to me. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he will abundantly pardon the sin of those who ask him. How do I know it? Because he's done it for me. The Apostle Paul writes to Titus, a young pastor, and he says there are some people who say that they know God, but in essence they really don't. They're denying him. In Titus 1.16 it says that they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. He says they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Can I tell you this? When you really know God, well, a lot of us have had, we have encounters with him. But as you really know him, when you truly encounter God, it changes your life. It changes your desires. It changes your actions. If your knowledge of God has not altered your actions so that they begin to align with his word, Can I encourage you to spend some more time getting to know him? Don't focus on your actions. That's what people want to do. We want to focus on our actions. You know, pastor, I got a problem with. And so we start telling the problem. And please don't, I'm not being disrespectful. I don't mean it that way. But that's what we do. You know, I got a problem with. And we focus on what our problem is. Particularly whenever our life doesn't line up with God's law and with his plans for us. But when we focus on him, when we turn our attention towards him, he changes. He changes the way that we think. He changes the way that we see. The other day I had had this thought that came into my mind. Earlier in the week my message was working through my mind. If we don't believe that God is good, if we don't believe he'll take care of us, then we got to take care of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of people are acting out in the flesh because they don't really either know or believe what God says. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. So whenever that comes up, whenever there's a Mm -hmm. temptation to take vengeance, what do I have to do? Well, no, vengeance is the Lord. God says, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. So whenever you are tempted to take matters in your own hands and you say, wait a minute, 
God said, he'll supply my needs. God's got good in store for me. See, if you don't believe that God is good and and if you don't really know him as being a good God who loves us and cares for us and has the best for us, then we have to go ahead and make our own way. But when you start to understand that he is good and everything that I'm going through, he's working it for my good. So I don't have to try to escape this situation that I'm in at this moment because, wait a minute, hey, it doesn't matter. God's working it for my good. He's working something good in my life so I don't have to escape it. I don't have to be mad. I don't have to be all upset about it. Jesus said at the end of times, there'll be many who are going to say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say to him, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And you never really knew me. The first point that we talked about is knowing God. The second point is being strong. Everybody say being strong. strong. Daniel said that those who know their God shall be strong. Can I tell you that our strength comes from being in relationship with him? What he wants to be is the very core of our being. He wants to be woven through every part, every fiber of our being. And his being in our lives is what gives us strength. Our strength comes from being in relationship with him. And our strength comes from walking in holiness and obedience to his word. This is kind of what we think. We sometimes think that God's power is made perfect in our strength. God, you know, I got these certain areas where I'm pretty good at. So why don't you just go ahead and bless them? I got these things that I can do apart from you. I can do them apart from you. So why don't you just go ahead and and just give a little blessing on them? Just give a little blessing. Let those natural abilities and those natural talents that I have, let them flourish. God's power is not made perfect in our strength. His power is made perfect in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my my strength. Uh Uh-uh. My weakness. Can I tell you what? I don't like looking weak. I don't like feeling weak. I don't like being weak. But that's where his power is made perfect. How many of you like to say, oh, I just love feeling like the weakest guy around. I love it when people humiliate me. I love not being able to do things. No, we hate that. Our flesh rises against that. But it's that humility in our weakness where we can't do anything about it. His power is perfected. His glory is seen. And that's why Paul said, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may what? May rest on me. His power like just, just settling down upon you. Being strong is our second one. Daniel said that those who know their God shall be strong. God wants his strength to be revealed in us so much that he will even give you a heart to know him. The local hospital is not the only place that gives heart transplants. This is prophetic what I'm saying to you now. I'm seeing that happening more and more today than I've ever seen. I'm seeing God putting an unprecedented hunger and thirst in people's hearts. I see it in the spirit. 
It's happening here at Lighthouse. And can I say, don't hang around too long. Because if you do, God will change your heart. Don't come around too long because if you do, listen, if you want to stay the way you are, please don't stay around too long because God is in our midst and he's changing people's hearts. You don't even know why. Some of you, you don't even know why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I feeling like I need to do this good deed? Why are you here, bro? Huh? Why are you here? See, here's the thing. You hang around Jesus. You hang around his presence get close to him he'll change your life and some he'll do a work in you there's some of you god is going to do a work in you and you don't even understand it it's just a supernatural work of god how comes i start caring about other people in need i don't really give a rip about anybody in need i care about me how comes i'm burdened how comes i want to pray how how comes i'm wanting to pray with my kids and and talk to my wife What's going on? Something's changing in my heart. What is it? It is God is changing men and women's heart. He's giving them a new heart. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 24. He said, the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Like these good figs. So you guys are a a basket of good figs. I don't have time to go into it, but that's what you are. Like these good figs I regard as good, the exiles from Judah, whom I sent away from this place in the land of the Babylonians. My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. And this is what he says. He said, I'll give them a heart to know me. They didn't do it. God says, if anyone gives you something, What's your job if someone wants to give you something? To receive it. They didn't go find another person who they could get a heart transplant from. They didn't go out and do it themselves. God says, I will give them a new heart to know me. And this is what he says. To know what? That I am the Lord and they will be my people. And I will be their God. For they will return to me with all their hearts. So knowing God, being strong, and doing exploits, our third point. Ephesians chapter 3 records Paul's prayer for the believers at Ephesus. He wanted them to vividly experience the love of Christ. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. He said, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Listen to his prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's what you are. To grasp what? How cool you are. How awesome you are. What day you were baptized. Where your grandmom goes to church. No. This is what he prays. I pray that they'd be able to grasp how wide, how long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to what? 
and to know, to experience this love that surpasses knowledge. There's an experiencing of God's love that surpasses just knowledge in your head. There's an experiencing of God's love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We don't have time to unpack all of that. I encourage you to go home and read that and meditate upon that. And then listen to what verse 20 says. Now to him who is able. What is he? He's able. Now to him who is able to barely meet your needs, to let you come dragging through, to have someone else carry you through, no. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his Power. Everybody say his power. power. That is what? At work. Where is his power at work? Oh, his power is at work somewhere over in Africa. His power is at work somewhere, you know, at at another church down the road. Yeah, his power is at work in the healing evangelist on TV. No. According to his power that is at work. Everybody say within us. His power is at work within us to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen great exploits verse 20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask some of you can imagine some pretty awesome things like big things he's able to do immeasurably more than that Some of you can ask for some amazing things. He's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. How? How does he do it? By his power that is at work within us. Where's his power at? It's inside of us. His power is not out there somewhere. Got to get this in your heart because it's going to change the way you think. His power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and it's working inside of you. Do you ever see those t-shirts with a a little kid and they'll have awesome on their shirt? You ever seen those t-shirts like awesome? That's what all of you need to have. We need to get you all shirts that say awesome. Because God's power that is inside of you and it's working inside of you is awesome. Let me remind you. That that same power that raised Jesus from the grave. We sing a song, death could not hold him. The veil tore before him. He silenced the boast of sin in the grave. But he lives inside of you, my friend. He's inside of you, friend. His power is released inside of you. He dwells inside of you. John 13, 7. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now that you know them, you'll be blessed if you do them. What was it that was able that allowed Job to go through all that he went through? His difficult time. How was he able to go through everything that he went through? And how was he able to come through and receive double? He lost so much. A lot of people, we had just taken our own life. We'd have been like, this is it, I can't. And then he would have turned away from God. But I want you to hear the words that Job declares right in the midst of it. Don't declare it. Listen to me. You kind of miss out on the blessing when you do it at the end. 
Anybody can do it at the end. God's looking for some people who in the midst of it, listen to what Job says. He says, I know my Redeemer lives and that at the end he'll stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, somehow in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. He had this assurance. All hell can be breaking loose against me. Every stinking door can be shut. There can be no way out. And my God's making a way. And you know the way he's making it? He's making it by you walking and knowing him in this glorious intimacy that that you're just walking. You're just like, dude, it's just you and me, God. I was talking to a guy just this week, and he was telling me about a situation he was in. Now, he's a strong guy. Like, he could go in and, like, literally tear people apart. That's the type of guy. He he, He could do it in his flesh, but if he does it in his flesh, he loses. And he's saying, I just have to surrender myself to God and let God be in control. I was like, yeah, dude, that's it. And your weaknesses, his power is made real. Friend, God came seeking after you. Can I tell you, you didn't go after him. He went after you. He's the one who searched for you. And aren't you so glad that he found you? This is what I'm going to ask God today. I'm going to ask for an impartation. Paul said, he wrote and he said, I long to be with you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. So some people say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, that's what Paul said. In his word, God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, I'll give them a heart to know me. I'll give it to them if they'll receive it. And so today in this room, this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that God would give you a heart to know him. Not where you have to like, okay, now I have to do all these things. No, 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 no. I want to know you, Lord. That I just desire, that's my focus, that's what I start with. That's what I do in the middle. And that's what I finish with. That I may know Christ. And so today I want to pray over you. And if you're willing to receive that, I serve a God who wants to give you that heart today, that you desire to know him and take you into places of intimacy with him so that whenever temptation rises up, you know his heart. You say, no way, because God's got a lot better for me. Whenever trials come, you say, no way, my God's going to deliver me. Whenever you're jammed up and you say, there's no way out, your heart knows that you serve a good God that he's a deliverer, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Father, would you just lift your hands to the Lord today? Father, today, your word says that you will give them a heart to know you. And I ask you today for the folks at Lighthouse, as they open their hands up to you, as they lift their hands to you, I ask you to remove from them a heart that is cold any hearts that are calloused, any hearts that are indifferent, and that you give them a heart to know you. Lord, that they may know Christ. Let that be the longing of their heart, that when they wake up tomorrow, there's something different going on inside. A heart that says, my God's good. 
My God's faithful. My God can be depended upon. He's delivered me in the past. He's provided for me in the past. He's forgiven me in the past. And I know He'll do it again. I know I can trust Him. And so, Lord, we receive. We receive that heart transformation that can only come from You. Now, Father, I pray that You would release that in their lives. And I pray that there would be evidence of changed lives all across this place. I thank you that you do it, Lord. And I thank you for the blessings that come as you release that in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want to know you. We bless you.